coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast are U.S. Open Week highlights and lowlights from Los Angeles Country Club and an Irish woman wins on the LPGA Tour as well. We're tuned into tea and pronunciations, and this week's guest is a friend of the show. You hear us talking about the Live Take app. We have the founder and creator on Chris Salisbury joining us. Really cool conversation, and we're proud to be sponsored by Live Take. We talk pies and bakery talk when we always end with food, like we mentioned the Live Take app are our friends of the show, and we're excited to tell Chris's story about how he created this amazing app where basically, Mike, it just gets us together and allows us to butt heads. We're too friendly on these podcasts, okay? So if people really want to hear the debate that goes on week to week on everything golf and outside the world of sports as well, too, uh, the Live Take app is basically where sports debates are solved once and for all. The cool part about the app is that you, the people, get to vote on who the winner of the challenges are. So you can listen to any challenge regarding any topic in any sport you like or are interested in. Challenge us today and check out the Live Take app. Be sure to download today. Again, download the Live Take app and challenge us today. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex and alex the stars were out at la country club for the u.s open we had vintage but better ricky fowler we Mm. had vintage roy mcelroy and we had wyndham clark hoist the trophy we did Wyndham, uh, Wyndham Clark. Clark. Not the name maybe people had on Saturday or Sunday morning hoisting the trophy. You know, we, we spent the entire weekend going on and on about the amazing storylines golf-wise. We'll get to the rest of the tournament in a moment. But golf-wise, having Ricky Fowler, like you mentioned, and Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler all near the top of the leaderboard all weekend long. There wasn't a whole lot of movement. Those three names alone will move any golf fan to the direction of a TV. That's exactly what you want to see out of a tournament. So it's nothing against Wyndham Clark, who's a great guy and a PGA Tour winner, but admittedly, there is that natural sigh and and letdown to him winning versus the other three names that are at the top of the leaderboard all week. Yeah, I I mean, I think... That first day seeing Ricky Fowler just go crazy. With yes, 62, the 262s, yeah. Followed by Xander. Not the two Californians we thought were going to have a great week, by the way. Correct, yes. Um, and then following it up with, you know, a respectable 68, staying in the lead, a 70 on Saturday, staying in the lead. Yeah, this looked like on, maybe a wire to wire. I was not surprised that he fell apart, though, on Sunday. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things where, you know me, I'm a huge Ricky Fowler fan. I've been walking the orange and buying the Puma shirts for the better part of a decade. And I love his, his game and personality and everything about him. But he just hasn't shown that killer instinct in these major moments. And you were wondering if he was going to teeter or not on Sunday, the, you know, the guys behind him were like the exact type of crew to make him teeter. And unfortunately, we saw quickly and it actually maybe was teased with the 18th green missed three footer on Saturday night in the darkness. But uh, it was it was quickly apparent that Ricky was not up for the challenge of finally hoisting that major championship trophy on Sunday. And, and Rory is the next one I want to get to, Mike. This guy is freaking in contention all the time. 
But now here we sit nine years removed from the last time he won a major. We, we got to start asking questions about him getting it done as well, too. Well, you know, I, I got to think that over the last two years, if he didn't have the monkey on his back of having to be the cheerleader for the PGA Tour and now being the martyr, when we really look back <laughs> yes. on it, the martyr for the PGA Tour, you got to think of that mental um, anguish hadn't been on him for the past year. How many tournaments would he have won? Hmm. It is an interesting thought, you know, like how much that actually took away from him in his game. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it took away a ton, but I think you're right. It, it may have taken away enough to just have him in this exhausted state right now. And and he's just one or two short. I don't know. It's something about his strategy on Sunday. I feel like he's just got to play a little bit more Rory ball and be a little bit more aggressive in moments when he needed to be. There were just... One birdie on the board, Mike, on Sunday yeah. at the U.S. Open when he's in contention. I know how difficult the course is playing, but the birdies were out there. Just surprised not to see a little bit more firework from him on Sunday. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood shot seven under on Saturday, so the birdies were certainly out there. Where he just seems to not be able to make the birdies when he's supposed to make the birdies. Scotty Scheffler, meanwhile, still can't buy a putt. So <laughs> Yes, I know. Cra crazy week for Scotty again coming up short. But yeah, Wyndham Clark, funny enough, Mike, the guy who once played golf with Chris Harrison a few times and was almost going to be the bachelor a few years ago. Okay. He turned that down that opportunity. He decided to stick to golf full time. And lo and behold, he's now a two time champion, a major champion, obviously the very emotional story about his the late mother and the passing of his mother and winning it for her definitely resonated. It's one of those classic golf moments, Mike, when I was rooting against Wyndham Clark, against Wyndham Clark, against Wyndham Clark. And then he holds the winning putt and hugs his caddy and you see the overjoy of emotion. And I was immediately on his side. That's just the beauty of the game. And it was a really cool moment to see. It was indeed. So Wyndham Clark takes the W at a, let's say, maybe more corporate collection of fans at a U.S. Open than maybe we're used to. Yeah, let's get to the vibes, Mike. Yeah. The vibes, real. That, that's the, 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 as the kids would say, the vibes were off this past week at, at Los Angeles Country Club. And, and I feel like it had all the makings of being pretty epic. I don't know, geographically, just being situated where it was in one of the gig most gigantic urban metropolitans in the world. You thought there'd be a chance for a huge crowd there, right? And that was exactly the opposite of what happened. Yeah, it was what, like only 14, it was 20, 29, like whatever Estimate thousand between, yeah, light 20,000s in the tickets. Yeah. And I'm hearing 14, yeah, 14,000 of those were hospitality tickets. So those are the, you know, the champagne, you know, martini yep. drinkers, in, you know, in the shade that aren't necessarily, let's say, let's call them the general admission warriors like you and I, you know, the ones yep. that will buy the 20 or 30 or $50 ticket and go walk the 18 holes. Um, so that leads you to a certain type of crowd and a certain type of volume. And the players were not shying away from that. They were very open about how saying it just didn't give off the U.S. Open vibes and volume they were used to. It's the national championship, Mike. I don't know. There's just there's some, There was something that wasn't in the air that bothered me. You know, if Phil Mickelson was walking up the 18 to win this tournament, we wouldn't have had that scene that he did have just being surrounded by fans. That was not going to happen here in L.A. It wasn't. No, yeah, there was a bit of a brief rush for about 30 seconds. But Mike, the gallery just wasn't even there to make anything crazy happen. I mean, th this made the Dell match play gallery in Austin look like the freaking open championship at St. Andrews uh, in terms of gallery size. So a lot of talk is going to be there about the atmosphere. They are still scheduled to come back to LACC in 15 years in 2039. I don't know if, I don't know if we'll resurrect that talk uh, all the way down the wire then when that happens again, but it'll be interesting to see if Los Angeles country club hosts more tournaments like this. I was just getting the vibe that the members 
like just really didn't want anything to do with this tournament. I don't even know how it happened in the first place, but that was and the vibe they, I was getting. And yet they gobbled up the majority of tickets out there. Right. Uh, well, Lamar hospitality, available, Mike. So. Uh, free yeah. champagne, you know, while yeah, they watch. Right. So yeah. let me see. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Let's talk about uh, last week's guest on this podcast. Yes. Now, he did, Dylan Wu. He was at the top of the leaderboard for most of the week. Yes. And how, and me texting you, I was about to text you, you know, I can't remember the last time Dylan Wu wasn't leading the US Open. We had that fun moment where he was on top of the leaderboard for about 90 to 120 minutes on Thursday morning. That's always fun, just for the screenshot moment, if nothing else. Uh, unfortunately, the glory didn't last quite as long, but it was a solid week again. Dylan Wu is two for two in made cuts when he qualifies for the U.S. Open. He had that top 20 at Torrey Pines, finished tied for 32nd uh, here at LACC. Uh, Mike, I looked up the numbers, 119,000 for 32nd place. Not bad. Not bad at all. You can even take the taxes out of that, and it's still a nice take for the week. Uh, So I talked to Dylan. uh, Overall, pleased with how it went. Definitely turned that 36-hole qualifier into a nice financial gain, and he's off to uh, Travelers this week. Uh, So uh, he'll be playing in Connecticut uh, in no time. All right, let's look to what the LPGA did this past weekend as well as they get ready for their next major championship, which is coming up. The KPMG Women's PGA will be coming up next weekend. But for now, they were in uh, Belmont, Michigan this past weekend for the Meyer Meyer LPGA Classic. And um, uh, we had a a past guest do pretty well. Yeah, we did. I know there were there were a lot of past guests that were up on the leaderboard, so it was good to see. We're, we're trying to get one of our past LPGA guests into the winner circle. You know, I'd I'd love to see Brittany Linscombe or Emma Talley or Annie Park or Lauren Stevenson. Maybe Gemma Dryberg gets back into the winner circle. So that that's our team for now. Um, we haven't had Leona McGuire yet on the podcast, but I'd love to have her on. This is her second win. The Irish woman gets it done. 21 under par for the week. Pretty dominating performance and an eight under finish. That always gets it done Sunday. Mike, you can be at pretty much any professional event in the world. If you shoot eight under par on Sunday and you're near the lead, you're probably going to lift the trophy. So uh, shout out to Leona McGuire uh, for getting it done again. This was also uh, her win after finishing second the last two times at this tournament. Mm. Seemed right. Seems right. Seems, you know? seems like yeah. finally, finally figured it out. Finally figured got over it out. the hump and avenged the runner-up finishes. Good stuff. And yeah, you mentioned another major chip, major championship coming up. I wish I could go to the mall, Mike. Where are they? They're heading to a nice course this week, aren't they? Baltistrol. Yes, that is a really nice course. I can't, I can't make them all, Mike. I try, try to get to as many as I can, uh, but it should be a fun week of viewing on the Golf Channel for the uh, second major coming. The PGA Tour, meanwhile, this weekend is headed to Connecticut for the Travelers Championship. Uh, always fun to see them finally go back to New England once a year because this is the only time they go to New England. If we want to call TPC River Highlands New England, it's kind of right on the line. You know, Connecticut kind of straddles New England and uh, the tri-state New York area. So. Exactly. And, and I think for the record, and we'll get into this in a moment, the school where we went was considered probably that tri-state area of Connecticut. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say Cromwell is maybe just a few miles north of that line. So I will, I'll call it New England gracefully, but you're right. I, I appreciate the bitterness that you still hold for the tournament that's gone <laughs> from TPC Boston. I, I like that you still hold that grudge after all these I years. Always, always. I will say I actually feel that our all alma mater, Quinnipiac and Hamden, Connecticut, straddled the line and can be considered both the tri-state and New England. 
<laughs> so regardless, yeah, I think Cromwell's about half an hour north. I remember taking the drive a few times, and then when I lived in Bristol, I went. I saw a young Ricky Fowler there, Mike, in 2010, mm-hmm. wearing all orange with the big long hair. It's funny how times change. He's still rocking the orange, but not quite head to toe. Uh, so cool memories. I, I saw the late the late Stuart Scott play a pro am there with Bill Belichick back in the day. Uh, I saw a thrilling Bubble Watson playoff. It's a great finish. If you don't remember, it's the short par 4, 18th, 17th is short par 4, 16 short par 3, 15 drivable par 4. So those four holes, I put them up against any finish. I wrote the full preview for it on runyourpool.com, so you can check out my full picks. Uh, but designated event, shout out to the Travelers for getting that status last year. So the full field is fully loaded this week. Yeah, uh, defending champ Xander Shoffley will look to see if he can uh, do a little better than he did, uh, even with that 62 at the Open this past week. Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantley, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, who had an ace at LA Country Club, Max Homa, who had an extra couple of days off. <laughs> mm, yes, Spurs are like that. So, now, that, yeah. isn't that nice to see, though? I mean, God, the, the Travelers Championship is is the little engine that could. As I've said before, it's one of those tournaments that was always near and dear to our heart because of the locale, but it never drew the biggest field. I remember back in the day, it was a huge deal when Phil Mickelson went there for a year or two. Um, it's got, had its waves, but it's gained popularity a lot in recent years. So great to see that it's designated and we got all the world's best there. So excited for the golf this week in Connecticut. All right, let's switch over to Tuned In, where we share what we're tuning into outside of the world of sports. This past week, I was in Charleston for a couple days. Uh, Beautiful weekend city, just like Savannah, much Mm. larger and wealthier than Savannah. So be prepared to drop a few more dollars down when you're there. But we did on Saturday on our way out of the city, went south of Charleston and went to the Charleston Tea Plantation, which is the only tea farm in all of North America. Fascinating. And when you posted picture of this, I was confused. I was like, oh, like tea tea, like tea, like Like, Like, they they make that here. Wow. And you it's the only one. I love one of one things in the food world. So that's a very cool (laughs) one to find. It is really cool. And it was so tea farms are once you plant the tea bush, there's only one bush that makes tea. There's a couple different varieties of it, but only one species of plant that makes tea in the entire world. And once you plant it, it stays there. It never, the only way it dies is if it gets overwatered. And even when it dies, you don't rip it up because I guess the roots get all intermingled with all the other tea plants in the farm. And what they do is when they start their season, which they just started a couple weeks ago, I guess, they cut the plants to tabletop height. And then they, uh, every like 15 to 18 days, they come in and they cut the growth, what they call the flush. And that they then take and they bring into their processing facility there and they they dry it and they do all the other things they do to it. And out comes tea ready to be, you know, within just a couple hours of it being brought in off the farm. It's made into tea bags and ready to go or loose leaf tea or whatever. So how um, was it? That's the question. Uh, so I tried a couple different varieties that they okay. had. Uh, the ones that we the one we actually liked the best was their first flush. And this was literally the first growth of the season that they had cut off. They call their first flush. Mm, uh, like and that. that one was probably the best. It was kind of not too strong in either direction. It had a really nice balance, had almost a little bit of sweetness to it as well. Um, so it was really, that one was really nice. Charleston Tea Plantation, certainly recommend if you're in the Charleston area, go ahead and take a little day trip down there, spend a little time 
Charleston Tea Farm. Yeah, and so again, it's the the quote. This is the only. You know that yeah. always gets me going. Somewhere. You don't. That, you don't think <laughs> about it. And and they were the other really interesting fact is a tea. The tea plant is uh, naturally. Um, they don't need to put any fungicide on it or, or anything like that. Animals won't eat it. It doesn't get disease. It's super hardy. So it's, it's just really surprising to hear that, like, you know, your tea, you'd think, you think tea too. You don't think of it getting it in, you know, the low country of Charleston. You think of India and China, mm, but it, yeah. it's the same weather and it don't, they don't need to do much to it. They just put it in the ground and it's good to go. At MWRINC on Instagram, I think you threw something up from your weekend I and at, uh, always end with food as well, too. We'll get to some more food later this episode, but we got to get to an important matter of business. You hinted at it earlier when we talked about our alma mater, and mm. it's coming up a lot in the news these days, Mike. I-, I watched a little bit of local news this morning from here in Austin, Texas, and then I watched some national news. And multiple times over, Mike, it's, it's that time in the election cycle where we start to hear our school's name over and over again in the news for our polling institute. So just for the record, how is our alma mater pronounced? It's pronounced Quinnipiac. Just Quinnipiac. The way it's spe- just the way it's spelled. <laughs> well, we got, we got a Quinny, we got a Quinnipiac from a national mm. news reporter this morning. And then we got the famous, the Quinnipiac, the P all over you, the Quinnipiac mm-hmm. pronunciation. Um, no. So Quinnipiac, for the record, Quinnipiac, you can just roll right off the tongue, nice and quick, no pauses, no breaks, no enunciations, Quinnipiac. Uh, that's the poll you're seeing all over the news these days. And you'll be sure to see that name a whole bunch here uh, in the next uh, 15, 16 months or so. Yeah. And it's also just a reminder, we don't just do polling. We also win men's division one national hockey championships. Right. It might be polling is officially second now. I can officially say polling is second. We are a hockey school first and foremost. And second, uh, we're that school that does the polls. That's it. Yep. That's all I need there to you know. Go. All right. Let's get into this week's guest. We're bringing on um, the guy who made this this thing called Live Take. It's Live Take app, which, which I think people have heard us talk about for the last couple of weeks now because they're a sponsor of ours. We'll, we'll be honest. They, they give us a little coin. But we also use them every week because we do a no holds bar debate on it every week because that's what you can do in the Live Take app. And you talk to Chris Salaberry about what this all was. I know, yeah, and how we created the the concept. And obviously, we have very similar backgrounds, which you can imagine. Mike, you know, we're friendly here. But every once in a while, we like to get on, you know, our Stephen A and Skip, you know. So we, we take to live take and, and we we flesh it all out and we get our takes out. And uh, it was very cool to see how this concept came to be. So really cool entrepreneurial conversation with Chris Salisbury coming your way. We'll get to that conversation with Chris in just a moment. But first, let's talk about our friends at Desert Fox Golf. They've been with us pretty much forever on this podcast as partners with us. And uh, right now, they're doing something really great, too. It's a cool little referral bonus. They have their phone caddy. They have their swing aid tumbler. They have a lot of other cool stuff. And they want to give you money. If you decide you want to get some swag for your next corporate golf outing. Yeah, it's very straightforward, Mike. A hundred items or more of Desert Fox Golf merch or products, anything from DesertFoxGolf.com. And if you're getting that much for your event, you just tell them Course of Life sent you and you're going to get a $100 referral bonus. That's it. There's no, there's no catch. I don't have any fancy code or any, you know, spiel to give you right there. That's it. If you're buying a hundred or something for your event or golf outing, or you know a golf outing that's happening and you send them Desert Fox Golf, just tell them Course Life sent you $100 your way. It's easy. There's, there's not really much to rehearse there at all, Mike. Yeah, it's super easy. And you can check out everything they have at DesertFoxGolf.com. Again, they got the phone caddy, which slides onto the cart. Post real easy. Holds your phone super strong. You got the Swing A Tumbler, which comes in a lot of different 
styles. Yeah, and you things, put the company the, logo on those too. Yeah. It's easy, yeah. Yeah, a lot of different colors. And yeah, that's the great thing is that everything is customizable that they make. So you can put whatever logo you want on it. Again, $100 bonus if you're buying at least 100 things for your golf outing. DesertFoxGolf.com. Just tell them Course of Life podcast sent you. DesertFoxGolf.com. Next up, he's a sports debate fanatic and the founder and CEO of Live Take Sports. You've seen and heard myself and my co-host Michael debate on the Live Take app, and now we're joined by the man who created himself, Chris Salisbury, joining us on The Course of Life. Chris, how are you doing today? What's up, Alex? Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely, man. Good to hear from you in New York. I'm in Austin, Texas. Let's talk about um, our origin as, as sports fans and, and specifically sports media fans. Um, what's your what's your sports fan background and how early does it date back in terms of memories of uh, of sports radio and TV takes on air? Sure. Yeah, well, I guess I can start by just my, my tennis career. I picked up a racket when I was maybe three years old, fell in love with it. Nice. Um, so played throughout my life. Got to play in college, but my basketball fandom was an interesting one. When I was about 10 years old, um, a New York Knicks rookie moved onto my street in Connecticut. So I just became an absolute super fan of the New York Knicks. Who was the rookie? Was nice enough. Uh, it, was, it was Channing Fry, actually. He's, nice. Yeah, Arizona yeah. Uh, grad, uh, big-time college player. Had a pretty, pretty long, long career in the NBA himself, too. Exactly. Knockdown shooter. So yeah, it was awesome just spending time with him. He actually, you know, showed up to my house on Christmas Eve with a, a signed shoe and poster. So that really took my basketball up to the next level. So covered the NBA very closely, started covering the talking heads, you know, never missed a game. Um, so I'm still a diehard Knicks fan to this day. So just even hearing the chatter about it on live take is, is pretty amazing. Very cool. So tennis and basketball and your tennis background, uh, did you grow up with kind of like Agassi and Sampras, uh, maybe similar generation to what I did or who are your early tennis idols? Yeah, I, I would say I'm more geared towards the Federers and the dolls, the, the big three, um, you know, cause they've, they've been around for the past two decades and, and that pretty much uh, is how I followed it. Those, those guys just dominating. It's amazing, man. It's like, you know, you give the perspective us being very golf centric and Tiger Woods winning 18 majors. What Nadal, Federer and Djokovic have, have, have they all gotten to 18 themselves individually? It's unbelievable how dominant all three of them have been individually. Yeah, they're all 20 plus now. Jesus. Um, yeah, I think Fed uh, capped at 20 before he retired. Nadal has 21. Djokovic now has 22. Absurd. Really cool stuff, man. Yeah, the, I mean, obviously, when you get that close access to players like that, and and my NBA player experience was just going to Celtics games and getting in early and getting autographs as a kid. You you get that kind of up close feel of what it's like to be living vicariously in the life of a professional athlete, and you see a lot of different aspects of it. So I can see how your sports fandom grew at a young age, like mine did. Oh, it's it's unbelievable commitment. Like you know, even now running a startup, I still have so much respect for these athletes, just how much work they put in, how much focus they have on a day-to-day -day basis. It's uh, it's a really tough task. 
Very cool. Well, before we talk about the task of live take and everything you do, um, let's talk about kind of the the original, you know, take masters and, and the art of the take, because that's what live take sports is all about. Um, I'm curious, what are your earliest memories in terms of, you know, on-air personalities giving takes and, and who may have been the the people that you, that you aspired to, to be like or, or have personified on the app? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was definitely a daily tradition to come home from school and turn on Pardon the Interruption every day. So, you know, Tony, Tony Kay and Michael Wilbon kind of leading the charge with me in terms of just putting a smile on my face, having great takes uh, day by day. So, so those guys really started it for me. There was around the horn too, that was emerging at that time. Mm -hmm, Yep. Um, And now, you know, current guys, I would say, you know, Kendrick Perkins is up there for me. JJ Reddick is extremely insightful, not only on first take, but but via his podcast as well. Um, and then you have some other guys in the mix that, you know, are starting to make waves. But a part of the reason for live take is just there's so many personalities out there that we really want to open the floodgates for for anyone to excel in this industry. Right. And it's funny, you know, the shout out to Kendrick Perkins. I love the Celtic shout out there. Um, there's a lot of great, you know, take masters that we see on national media that are big figureheads. But the beauty of sports is there's so many sports that are undercovered and there's so many teams that could be covered more. And, and there's just so much width uh, to, to the debate that, that goes on individually, you know, not just within baseball fandom, but, you know, Red Sox fandom. There, there's so many aspects within each league. So uh, I appreciate the, the the variety that's showcased on the app. Um, I, I'm a big Max Kellerman guy. He was my one of the original take masters and sparred with the original Skip and Stephen A days as well, too. And uh, I'll shout out Fal- Philgren Mazer, my ultimate uh, radio. Who, who are your favorite? Do you have any favorite radio personalities? Were you a big sports talk radio guy growing up? Yeah, I always liked uh, Coward. Um, growing up, mm, yes, one guy probably. that I went to, um, I'd pretty much, I, I'd say like Mike Breen in his early days too, when he wasn't, uh, commentating. Um, and then you had Mike and Mike. So, so those were really my main three. Yeah. Felger and Maz was the Mike and Mike in Boston and they, they're still doing it to this day. Uh, let, I'm curious, what, was there a specific debate? Or, or moment or, or like light bulb a, a moment when when the idea of live take sprung with you? Was it centered around one specific conversation or was it just a collection of conversations? Yeah, so the light bulb moment wasn't actually debate oriented. It was really, you know, every the world was shut down during the pandemic. Right. Um, and my group chat was constantly blowing up with various sports takes. And, you know, they'd kind of just fizzle off. So I had the light bulb that, hey, there should be a unified platform, Discord style, where you know fans can just voice their opinions, clash on them, and then have an audience kind of either place their vote or comment on who they think is winning, who they think is right. So just giving this passionate community that sort of outlet was really when I started doing my due diligence and, and kind of seeing what was out there. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple aspects to it for me. A, just hopping on there, it's quite therapeutic to just get the takeout. And whether it's, you know, just saying it or doing it on video, there's that aspect for anyone. But also it's the idea that that we actually put it to vote and we and we get to actually see what the people think. To explain kind of how that works within the app, because that's the fascinating part to me is, you know, these debates they get beyond the group chat and beyond the couch where, where we never really get the full answer to see who really is right or wrong with the masses, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so how it works they're you know, they're head to head style audio or video debates. So once this debate is set up, you choose your category, you choose your topic, you add in your opponent. And then once those two hosts are live, hmm. anyone that's on the live take app can, can join in as an audience member vote on either side of the host poll button for who they think is winning. Um, and the cool thing about that is if the audience wasn't able to catch that live debate, um, every live take automatically gets recorded, put into the main feed. So audience members can actually come back, watch the replay and still have a chance to place their vote up to seven days after that debate has ended. So it doesn't just fizzle out if it's, you know, really open for interpretation. People have ample time to come in and still, you know, collect their thoughts and place their votes, which makes it really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And myself and Michael, my co-host are on there weekly and it works well for us because we get to throw out a random topic adjacent to the world of golf, which we love. And uh, it's a fun place to see what the people actually think and, and really get that direct results. You know, sometimes as content creators, we throw those takes out into the atmosphere and we don't hear who's right. We, we just speculate as hosts, but it's good to actually get that feedback on our end as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and the cool thing for the host too, is they can actually keep track of all their content um, right on their profile. So if they ever want to see how the voting is going in real time, you know, it's always accessible. They can see the total, they can see who voted. And, you know, another aspect to it as well is after that voting window closes, a winner or loser is actually crowned um, for that live take. I love it. Yeah. And don't worry, we're counting. I currently have a lead on my co-host at, at time of talk right now. So hopefully that continues. Uh, let's get to some quick takes with you. Um, you can typically do five, 10 or even longer takes, but we'll do a few here in five minutes. Um, I just want to get your quick opinions on, on what's going on and what's take worthy in sports these days. Pace of play is a big thing in sports. You see it big with golf fans right now on the PGA Tour, but it's really hitting baseball now with the new rules changes. Uh, what are your thoughts on just everything getting sped up in sports? Sports right now. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, I, I think just shortening the time of games is is more exciting for for everyone, especially for fans that are trying to get into that sport. You know, it almost feels like a commitment if a if a game is two hours plus. So baseball, I think it's a really good move. I think those games historically have been two and a half hours, maybe close to three. Yeah. So, you know, shortening that pitch clock is, is I think huge. Same thing with golf. Um, you know, you want to get to that end. You want to see that winner crown. That's in my opinion, one of the most exciting parts about sports is just hearing that post game reaction, seeing the emotions that come out of it. So I'm, I'm really all for it. I think the younger generation has shorter and shorter attention spans as well. Um, and they're really consuming a lot of this information on social. Yeah. So the ability to have just longer viewership times, I think, is pretty valuable. 
Definitely. Let's do a couple quick uh, goat debates here. Uh, in golf, the big one is Tiger or Jack, uh, Chris. Jack Nicholas, 18 majors. Tiger's only got 15. In the modern days, we call him the goat, but but is uh, Jack Nicholas the true goat because of more majors, or is it Tiger because of the tougher era to win them in? I think it is Tiger. Um, I've always been a huge a huge fan of just his dominance, um, his ability to you know even crawl back in, in some of these tournaments. I just you know I, I can't discredit uh, Jack, but you know I grew up more in the Tiger era myself, yep. and I always just see him as as the ultimate goat. Definitely. I, he, I do as well. The one crazy Jack Nicholas stat that always gets me, though, is that he also had 18 second place finishes in majors, which just blows my mind to think how many of those wow. he actually could have won. Crazy stuff. Uh, and the other GOAT uh, conversation we love to have, which is probably maybe the GOAT of take conversations in sports media, is, is who's your basketball GOAT? Or, or, or are you at LeBron or are you still sticking with MJ or do you have another? I'm sticking with MJ um, purely on just, you know, consistency of championships. You know, LeBron obviously has had his fair share of finals appearances and is, you know, 38 now, still doing what he does. So, you know, I think from a greatest athlete of all time, I'm saying LeBron James. But for the greatest basketball player of all time, I'm still going with MJ. Yeah, it's the amazing record in the, in the finals, too, that just really, really resonates for MJ. And you and I were right in that crisp era where, where we were just old enough to remember uh, MJ. Um, and that was a sight to behold. So I'd agree with you on that one. All right, let's let's get to some wrap-up questions. Um, Chris Salisbury, again, Live Take Sports app. Uh, check it out. Uh, I, I enjoy following you on IG as well, too, and seeing your travels. What's, what's your favorite travel or vacation spot you've been to recently? Oh man, I gotta give a shout out to my uh, to my brother's wedding, which was in Capri, Italy. That was that was my mm. first time just getting to explore. Um, we started in Rome and then kind of took the ferry down for for the big celebration. And yeah, that that country is something else. Have um, you done a lot of Europe, Chris? Not not enough, not enough. Uh, France, Italy, and that's that's pretty much it. I'm I'm due for some backpacking and, and some hiking around uh, other parts. Yeah, definitely. I I have this funny idea to maybe go to the Patriots game in Frankfurt and and try another country or two in November. So we'll see if it comes to fruition. It's the first time I've mentioned it on here, but uh, it could be my my venture to make my first Europe trip. I still haven't gotten over there, if you can believe it. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. Just you know, time really really escapes. So I, I want to be able to to dedicate my full exploratory mode um, to those types of trips. Definitely. All right, let's get to our 19th hole question, which we ask all of our guests here. Uh, you get in after a long day of work, golf, whatever it is, but you're at your favorite restaurant or clubhouse. Uh, what's like your go-to meal and drink order at the 19th hole? Ooh, I'm I'm going to say just thinking about summer vibes, like you can't go wrong with a Connecticut style lobster roll and some fries. Ooh, nice pick. I don't, I've, we've had a lot of seafood, but I don't, I don't, yeah, we've had a lot of seafood picked, but I don't think we've had a lobster roll. So thank you for the, the new England centric shout out there. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong. Uh, simple, easy. Doesn't fill you up. It's perfect. And explain that difference for people who don't know the Connecticut style versus maybe the other traditional new England style lobster roll. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you asked that question because it is a debate my friends and I have all the time for which one's better. A Connecticut-style lobster roll is just warm lobster, you know, in a roll, not not much to it. A 
uh, main lobster roll or the different style is more of like a lobster salad. So you have a, you have the cold lobster, you have your coleslaw on top. Um, and it's, yeah, more of a, more of a salad form. So CT lobster rolls all the way. Interesting. I don't know if it's been covered yet, but I think we may have just uncovered a new food debate for myself and Michael on, on lobster roll preference right there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing one. I think there's there's passionate communities on both sides. Love it. Awesome. Uh, tell people where they can uh, download and find the app and, and get on board with Live Take. Yeah, you can download it right through the App Store. We are uh, you know iPhone only, so iOS only. We'll be releasing Android in the next few months, so I'll keep you posted on that. But yeah, Live Take is available on the App Store. Love it. Again, Chris Salisbury, thanks so much for hopping on. Uh, looking forward to more live takes and challenges out there with the people. And uh, thanks again for being part of Course of Life. Anytime. Thanks, Alex. And we're back. Great chat there with Chris. Love, I, I love the Live Take app. It's a great venue for us to to kind of get things off our chest in a way. Gets us thinking like, too. Yeah, gets us thinking. And this this week's Live Take with us is uh, was it drive for show or put for dough? I mean, that's classic, so, right? I mean, I mean we <laughs> we got we got to work through all the classic golf debates. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll have to head over to the app and see who stands where. It was an interesting one, though. You know, it, it, it always comes up every few tournaments or so because you get a bomber that wins. You get a great part of the win. So it's it's one of the oldest debates in golf. So that's where we hash it all out again. It was really cool for Chris coming on, telling the story of how everything came to be and love getting his perspective as well. And if you like that conversation with Chris, plus everything else we do here on the podcast, make sure you leave us a rating of uh, however many stars or thumbs you feel is an appropriate number to signify that you want to give us. Uh, but if you've listened this long, I'm assuming get at it's going to be two at this point. I'm I'd thinking say. at least two. Yeah, two two least. for for that. And then probably another at least another star or two for maybe what we talk about coming up here. If you're a Red Sox fan, too. Yeah, let's let's just get into it. Uh, go, you know, I'm just gonna leave for a while, Alex, because that's what my Yankees obviously did this weekend. So you just you just take the rest of the podcast. Well, it's funny because I thought whatever. the Celtics season was over and everything like that, but I looked up Friday night and it looked like a basketball score um, at Fenway Park with the Red Sox and the Yankees, fifteen to five Friday night, uh, rained out Saturday, and then a double header sweep to wrap it up a three game sweep it's the first time the red Sox have swept the yankees in like 50 something years i think at fenway park for some perspective but mike you know i can do all the bragging i want but the sad reality is you me right now the way the al east looks we're, we're just both the same we're we're, we're both just we're <laughs> shopping out of the same pile of garbage right now we, the, we are miles and miles away from the rays and it's just unbelievable to see what the standings look like it, just when i think the red Sox have gained any sort of ground where we're nowhere near them yeah, let's just say that you're the best of the worst right now in the AL East. Right, yeah. That's great. Yeah. great. I think I think the Red Sox, you checked this a couple weeks ago, I think the Red Sox would still be leading two other divisions in baseball right now with their record, despite the fact they're still currently in last place as we talk at this moment. Yeah, just insane. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. That's baseball for you. It's not even the all-star break. <laughs> no, I mean, let's just put every team from the AL East in the playoffs, make it happen. 
Why not? Why not? Let's do it. Uh, but for right now, let's hashtag always end with food. Yep. Our food segment to end every course of life podcast. And uh, I think it's going to be very carb friendly uh, this mm. past weekend. I'm going to start, Mike, because I did something very unique that I'm going to post about on Course of Life Alex on Instagram. It'll be shared on COL podcast as well, too. I can't say, Mike, that I've ever had pizza at the turn on a golf course. Have you, have you ever had a pizza on the golf course before? Because I did that for the first time in my life. The greasiness of pizza is not something I think I'd want to eat at the turn on a golf course. Yeah, you know what? And it wouldn't be either. But I tried it for the first time at Shadow Glen Golf Club here in Maynard, Texas. So shout out to Shadow Glen. Uh, they installed something that you'll really appreciate. Just to the left of the ninth green, the par five, they put a brand new gigantic outdoor clay pizza oven out there, right, for everyone to see. So they got a nice little drive-through snack shack, which you'll see in the post up on Instagram. And they literally do pizzas at the turn. I called it in on the eighth tee. It was ready for me off the ninth green. Not greasy at all. Very well cooked, fresh air. And it was delightful. Uh, you'll have to get my full rating uh, on and check out the Instagram post there. But a nice change of pace. You know, it, I, I'm always partial to the hot dog or the protein bar or the snacker chips at the turn. But just nice to mix it up and have something a little different on the golf course. So I had my first turn pie of my entire life. All right. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Can't wait to see the video on yeah. Instagram. Uh, you know, again, like I said during our, uh, our tuned in, I was uh, – in Charleston for yep, a couple right. days, so that yep. meant some uh, Charleston food uh, tours. And uh, let's, what, what you want you want me to talk about the bakery I went to, or you want to talk about what I ate that was the best thing I had? Let's start with the, the bakery first, and then the best okay. dish. Yeah. All right. So into a place called Brown's Court. Okay. In, yeah, uh, I saw this. Yep. Right. Kind of the northern end of the of the King Street Strip, not on King Street, but a little bit, a little off the strip there. Uh, it was a good bakery. I thought I got a bagel, which was very good, chewy, light, fluffy at the same time uh the wife got a bear claw and my mother who was there also got a uh a bacon cheddar scone which was very good as well good variety nice ordering um and we got a loaf of bread let that was good i think our bread is better at all of course you do yes yeah. you know it was still good <laughs> so i thought everything i thought everything there was very good i thought it was good okay and the best dish in in, in the charleston trip so we went to this restaurant called muse on th- uh friday evening sounds playful uh and it was a kind of Italian Mediterranean, had a little bit of everything on there from that area. Uh, it was a fantastic evening. Um, it was, we got a, um, um, a meze platter to start, which was very good. Uh, we had, uh, I had the, um, uh, the carbonara. Oh yeah, Which can't go wrong with carbonara. Super, super, and it was heavy because that's carbonara, but it was Staple decadent and fantastic. Uh, and actually, both both uh, my wife and mother got um, uh, scallops over Parmesan risotto. Which I didn't try the scallops, but the risotto was very good. Oh my! Uh, and for dessert, we got a um, like a tropical um, tiramisu. Uh, it had. Uh, I think it was uh, like mango and it was had uh, pomegranate seeds on top. It was very good. It was nice and light. It was very good. And the service was fantastic. My mother was sitting in a chair that was like kept like the back of the chair wasn't really good. And it kept kind of sliding back. That's the worst. That's one of those things that you all you often never say anything about, too. Yeah. And they noticed it. And they gave her a pillow. They like the the host or whoever it was like was just walking by and saw her having trouble and got her a pillow to put behind her back. And then 
we made like another comment a little later and then he went like it's going to be like passover and you can lean on the you know put your elbows down on the table and we you know being jewish we were able to reply um with some other kind of you know about who's going to do the four questions and then we had a conversation about how uh we he would do kiddish but he couldn't do the kiddish because i had pork on my plate so it wasn't kosher on the table anymore so God, this guy was cut from the same cloth as you. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was fantastic. Service was phenomenal. It was, I, I highly suggest if you're in Charleston, go to Muse. Uh, it was a fantastic meal. I would definitely go back just to go to Muse. I feel yeah. like. So, Love that. Great yeah. recap. Check out the Instagrams again. Always end with food. COL podcast. M-W-R-I-N-C. I'm at Course of Life, Alex. Uh, I'm heading to Comic-Con this weekend, Mike. So you know some mm. weird stuff's going to happen there. Uh, so we'll leave you with that. That's a wrap on this week's Course of Life. We'll see you next week. Mm.